lately, even today, <laughs> especially today, I've heard a lot of people speak on this word of joy. And guys, his kingdom on this earth, it's going to look like joy. If you, if you are experiencing God, the Holy Spirit moving in you, you will have joy, okay? And, 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 and we're going to get into this in a second. There's hard times that are going to come your way. There are difficult seasons that you're going to walk through. But it's so easy for us to slip into that mode where, where we're not experiencing joy in the middle of those difficult seasons. We have to find a way. We have to find a way. Um, so confession to you guys. I am a pessimist. Okay? I, Luke Spoon, am a pessimist, and I would like to tell you that I'm a realist. You know, I, li I, like, to, I like to just say, hey, I, I'm a realist. I see things how they really are going to be, you know. Um, but truthfully, I'm a pessimist that pretends to be a realist, right? And, and, and here's the thing, like, this is, this is something that it's a little bit weird with me. It only really applies to myself. <laughs> like, the pessimism, like, I have a, a very low view of myself right and and i i doubt that things are going to turn out my way you can you can ask my wife my parents are here um probably even my my, my in-laws are here as well they can all probably tell you that at some point i've probably said things like why does this always have to happen to me <laughs> like why why does why do things never go my way it's like come on god what are you doing here and i'm telling you like that's something that i struggle with but you know what's weird is one of my spiritual gifts um you guys have ever never taken a spiritual gifts test i would highly recommend taking one there's a ton of them online and it can just help you kind of figure out what god's naturally gifted you with and one of my spiritual gifts that i had like really high on my list was exhortation um so encouragement right and um i i'm pretty good at naturally encouraging other people but that doesn't translate to me <laughs> right like it's hard it's hard for me to encourage myself, it's hard for me to see, um, you know, positivity and have optimism when it comes to my own life. And maybe you guys can relate with that. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But um, when I have this pessimistic view on life, this just like down view on life, I've learned something, and this is this is a, a truth that I've learned. When you live your life expecting the worst to happen, it usually does, right? You live your life expecting everything's going to go wrong. You're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for that thing to go wrong. Um, so we're talking about joy today. Uh, several months ago, back towards the beginning of the year, we were still outside in the parking lot meeting there. And uh, it was parking lot days, right? You know? <laughs> so thankful that we have air conditioning. We don't have to sit out there in the heat right now. Whew, amen. Mm. Uh, but earlier this year, uh, Josh actually preached a series about cultivating joy. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, it was an amazing series, and uh, it's, it's this idea that God's laid on his heart for a long time, and it's, it's what God has been teaching me lately as well, is learning to cultivate joy. It's a process, y'all. It's, it's not something that um, that you can just choose overnight. You hear that popular phrase? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to try my best to summarize the series that he did. But uh, you hear that popular phrase, choose joy, okay? And, and that is one of the biggest lies you'll ever hear <laughs> is you can't just choose to have joy. You can't just choose to wake up and say, you know what? Today I'm going to have joy. I'm just going to have joy all day long. <laughs> it it's not something that just happens, right? It's not a decision you can just make. It's something that you have to work actively at. Think about it like this. If you went out and you said, you know what? I am going to run a triathlon tomorrow. <laughs> and you just woke up the next day with no training at all, and you went out and you tried to participate in a triathlon. You guys know what that is? It's where you're, like, swimming, you're biking, you're running. It's a little bit of each. And, like, the oh, best athletes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And... If you went out and you did that, you would probably die, right, Pam? <laughs> I mean, you would just, you would, you would be out there, you would be struggling. You would, you would not, like, you would not be able to make it through this triathlon unless you're already, like, a really good athlete, but, you know, that's, that's a different story. Um, but if you train, if you work for months and months and months, maybe a year of training, you can be prepared for that triathlon. You can be ready for it, right? 
I, I mean, I think about, like, if I said, you know what? I want to I wanna play as a concert pianist in front of people, right? I have, I have not practiced. I've not done any practicing. Am I going to be able to walk up on stage and just play this beautiful concert for people? No. I'm going to walk up there, and I'm going to play Mary Had a Little Lamb, and <laughs> people are going to be like, why did I pay money to get in here to see this? And here's the thing, guys. Like, the, the bottom line is it takes a years and years of practice to be a concert pianist. Years and years and years of practice. It's the same way with joy, right? I, and I think of a farmer working in their fields, tilling everything up, planting seeds, watering them, taking care of everything, keeping all the critters away, keeping, um, keeping those plants growing. If they didn't work, if they just tilled the fields and planted the seeds and walked away, what would their crops look like, right? They're not going to have a very good harvest. But if they keep working hard day after day, and if you guys know any farmers, man, that is the hardest work. They are hard workers. They keep on working day after day after day to get this harvest. And that's how they make their living, right? And it's the same way with joy. You work day after day after day to cultivate it, and then you can reap a harvest of joy. This week, as I thought about that, that concept of cultivating joy, that concept of, of working towards this goal of having joy in our life, how we can't just choose it, I thought about a, a passage in Romans 14, so we've been in John 14 all morning, but uh, Romans 14, and it's, uh, it, there's some truths here. If you have a Bible, feel free to turn there, but it's going to be on the screens, and we're going to start in verse 13. It says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. <laughs> I'm going to read that one again. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for who Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know to be good, know as good to be, be spoken of as evil. And then here it is, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. In other words, he's not talking about food. He's not talking about drink here. But of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Guys, a lot of people look at this verse and they think, of, they think of things that we can do. We have Christian liberties, right? We have freedoms to do things. A lot of people talk about alcohol in this verse, right? And it's like, hey, you know, like, you have the freedom to do that. That's your decision. Some people believe it's wrong, right? They don't want to be a part of it. And people use the example of like, hey, if you know your brother or your sister doesn't like alcohol, doesn't want to be a part of it, they're, they're offended by it, don't drink in front of them, <laughs> like, right? That's a lot of people use this for that purpose. And the whole reason that, like, Paul is, is making an analogy here. He's not talking about food in this verse. But in their culture, they had a really good example of this. Some of the foods that we can eat today, that we eat all the time, I love pork. I love bacon. Amen. Can I get an amen from someone? <laughs> yep. I love barbecue. Good stuff, you know. And, like, look, in their day, like, they didn't eat that stuff. It was, it was unclean to them. So, like, if, if they have pigs, like, they looked at those as being unclean animals. They wouldn't eat them, right? And so Paul is telling them, hey, look, and, and Josh talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I've had a vision. God told me it's okay to eat those animals. Go kill and eat, right? You guys remember that, what Josh said a few, a few weeks ago. Amen, go kill and eat. Amen, you know? But look, what, what Paul said in that moment to these people was, you have the freedom to eat these animals. You have the freedom to eat whatever you want. That's your choice. Nothing in itself is unclean. However, <laughs> there were a lot of Christians that were, you know, Jewish Christians during that day that they still believed that it wasn't okay to eat those animals, right? And so Paul's saying, hey, look, why, like, why would you eat those animals? It invite them over to your house and tell them, hey, what's for dinner? 
we're having some barbecue, right? <laughs> and you know that they don't agree with that. You know that it's not okay. Why would you do that in front of them? Why would you try to force that on them? Why would you, why would you slam and force your opinion down their throats? <laughs> Literally, with food, right? But Paul's saying, hey, don't do that. Like, when you do that, you are not honoring your brother and sister. And he even goes as far as to say, do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. And I'm telling you what right now, like when I, when I look at people, when I, when, I, when I drive down the road, when I go into a Walmart, I'm telling you, nothing will, tri- nothing will test your patience like going into a Walmart. <laughs> and you see these people, you see there, these people in there, and you think, man, like, Jesus really died for them? You know? <laughs> and it's a natural thing to think. It's a natural thing to think. But, like, but look, every single person that you meet when you walk through public, that, that person who cuts you off in traffic, amen, right? They are someone that is a child of Christ. God created them, right? God created that person, and he loves them dearly. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. And again, he's not talking about food, right? So I think of modern day comparisons here, and social media is a beautiful thing in a lot of ways, right? But it's also one of the most divisive things that we have going on in this country right now. I feel like every time I log into Facebook, I see some sort of argument going on, right? Somebody posts this, like, really opinionated thing, and then you see people going back and forth. I mean, I think, like, right now, the big thing is what's going on with this virus, right? You have your, your people who are, like, anti-vaccine, anti-mask, and they're yelling at the people who think the vaccine should be mandated, and they're just going back and forth, and it's just like, it's like, why? Why are, why are we making such a big deal of this? Why are we at each other's throats? Why are we so divisive on these issues? And back to the election, you had, you know, Democrats versus Republicans, Trump versus Biden, just, I mean, all the time, at each other's throats, creating division, and here's the deal. People are very passionate about what they believe, and that's okay. The problem is, especially with social media, it's created a platform where not only do we, are we passionate about what we believe, we also want our voices to be heard, right? And we have to tell people why they're wrong. <laughs> like, we have to tell people like, we get on social media, and it's like, you are wrong, and here's why. And I'm going to tell you right now, nobody has ever, I've never read through a thread like that and saw someone say, huh, you know what? You're right. Your <laughs> opinion that was totally the opposite of mine is actually very viable, and I think I'm going to change my mind right now. No one has ever wrote that on Facebook in the history of a Facebook debate. I'm just telling you, it is, it is divisive. And I think what Paul is saying here, he's talking about food, he's using an analogy about food, but he's not talking about food. He's talking about that need to tell someone why you're right, right? And you know what that is? It's a heart issue. It's pride. It's pride. That's all it is. If you can't let go and just say, you know what, I disagree with this person, but I'm going to love them, and I'm going to be there for them, and I'm not going to let this stupid, silly little issue keep me from loving someone who Christ died for. Amen. And as I thought through things that are obstacles to joy, the first thing, there's, I'm going to throw up a list here in a second, the first thing that I put on that list is pride. Pride. I promise you right now, when you hold on to that pride and that need to be right all the time, and you can never admit you're wrong, Nothing will steal your joy quicker. Nothing will steal your joy away from you more than that. Um, so here's the funny thing. You guys see this list right now, right? And you've already heard people say a lot of these things this morning. That's why it's like, man, the Holy Spirit's so good, right? <laughs> he just laid some stuff on y'all's heart that he was laying on my heart all week long, you know? So I think of envy, comparison, right? Um, I think of the fact that and when, when, we th- when I think of envy, a lot of people think of like, hey, I want what they have. Like, I, I want that, that person's possessions or that person, man, they get, they get all the good stuff. Everything goes right for that person. Like, why not me, God? You know, like that's, that's envy. But one thing when it comes to comparison and we don't think about is the fact that 
we often compare our negative circumstances to other people's negative circumstances. It's not always positive. We often go, you know what, man, like, my life is so tough, and I know, I know he has it tough, but it's not as tough as what I'm going through. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't understand what I'm going through, man. My, my problems are so much bigger than yours. Guys, comparison is the thief of joy. And you guys have probably heard that quote before, and it is so true and so powerful. You start comparing your, your uh, circumstances, your situation to someone else's, your joy is going to be gone. <laughs> There's no way to keep your joy in that middle of all that. Um, so a couple other things, worry, fear, stress, anxiety, that kind of falls in that same, same category. <laughs> I mean, we, we've already read a scripture about it this morning. I don't need to say much more about it, right? Like, just worry. That's a lot of us. I take medicine for anxiety, right? Like, it's something that I, I struggle with really badly. Anger, that was already mentioned this morning as well. And there's times where there's righteous anger, and it's okay. Like, it's okay to, to ask God, why am I going through this? Like Pam was talking about, that is that is completely okay. God can handle it. Like, he can handle your anger. But when I think of anger involving, like, towards other people, anger towards, towards someone that's hurt you, anger towards maybe that person that cut you off in traffic, right? You know? Um, that, that's something that will steal your joy. <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to have joy when you have anger in your heart, right? Um, Self-deprecation, right? So, like, um, essentially, I'm, I, don't, I don't think I misspelled that, whatever, but anyways, um, <laughs> you know, the, uh, like, the idea of, of basically, um, I just realized that just now, you know, whatever, but anyways, the, uh, the idea of, of saying, hey, like, I'm not good enough. I'll never measure up. I, I, you know what, like, man, I, I suck. When you start saying those things to yourself, really hard to have joy in your heart really hard, and that's something that I struggle with really badly, guys, like, really hard to have joy when you think that you are not amounting to anything. Exhaustion, busyness, sometimes we get so busy and so worn out, and that's something that will absolutely steal your joy. It's hard to be happy when you're tired all the time. Loneliness, a lot of people, when they get into a moment where, where they're going through a difficult time, they isolate themselves. And uh, it's hard to find joy when you're sitting by yourself in a dark room, crying and watching Netflix and binge eating. <laughs> you know? I've been there, trust me. I've been there. And uh, really hard to find joy in those moments, guys. It's really hard. So the truth about cultivating joy is it's hard work. Like I said, there's, there's a lot of things that we have to work on. And I would be, I would... Honestly, I would I feel like I would be irresponsible if I didn't throw up a second list. So the things that are the, like the opposite, how do we counteract these things? So pride, you got to find a way to have humility in your heart, right? And humility, like people, people get so confused on what that is. Yeah. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less, right? And I'm not saying anything new. That's from like so many other people have, have quoted that before. Think of yourself less. Think of others before you think of yourself, right? You're not thinking, humility is not being like, oh, no, no, not me. I'm, I'm, I'm not important. You're, you're important. Go ahead. No, it's not that. It's thinking, hey, why don't you go ahead? Why don't you do that? Like, I'm putting you before me. Let me serve you right now, right? And like, it's, it's, just, it's just trying to say, hey, I want to make sure everyone around me is taken care of, and then I'm going to worry about myself, right? And, and if everyone does that, guess what? You're going to get taken care of too because someone else is going to serve you and someone else is going to take care of you. So having a humble heart is the, is the key towards combating pride. Um, we have envy, right? So remember, positive or negative, how do we combat that? Thankfulness, right? Just being thankful for what God has given you. Be, being thankful that, you know, if you have a dark and difficult situation, you still have breath in your lungs. You're still alive. And instead of comparing your situation to other people's, you're saying, God, thank you for what you have given me. Thank you that you've given me this breath in my lungs. You've given me another day to be alive. Being thankful for that. Worry, I mean, pretty simple there, prayer. <laughs> like, I know for me, when I start to get stressed out, start to get anxious, one of the first things I turn to is food, right? It's like, that's, that's my drug of choice, if you will, you know? And hey, what I should be doing and what I need to work on and what I'm working on right now in my life. So when those moments hit, pray. 
just go to go to God. He he cares about you. We just read a scripture about that earlier, right? Anger, finding a way to have peace. And that's the peace in your heart. It's it's a it's a way to, 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 to find peace in your heart, but it's also finding a way to have peace among other people, right? So the people around you, finding a way to have peace with them. And, and that's, that goes back to what we talked about earlier. Hey, I disagree with you, but I still love you. Somehow our, our culture has gotten this idea that if you disagree with someone, you can never be their friend. <laughs> you can never hang out with them. Like, like, how dare they? They disagree with me? And like, guys, you don't have to agree with someone to show them love. You don't have to disagree with someone to invite them into your home and have a dinner with them. You don't, you don't have to agree with someone all the time. Finding a way to find peace in those moments. All right, so you're looking down on yourself, finding confidence. And that doesn't mean self-confidence, right? A lot of people think that you can just have self-confidence, and the people are big on that in, in the world. They talk about self-confidence. And the truth is finding confidence in whose you are, right? Finding confidence in Jesus and the fact that he created you and he loves you. In Ephesians 2.14, tells us that when God looks at us, we're, we're his handiwork, we're his masterpiece. He looks at us like this table that Jim made, right? And when he finishes it, he steps back and he goes, wow, like, that is good. That is good. I did spell it right? Did you say that? Yeah. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> I thought it spelled it wrong, but yeah, you know what? See, I was, I was doubting myself, right? I was doubting myself. <laughs> but, but look, self-depreciation Find confidence in Christ. That's the, way you, that's the way you combat that. Exhaustion. You've got to find rest. We read the verse earlier. I think, I think it was Nikisha that read it. Come, come to me all who are weary, and you will find rest. Amen. Finding that rest, that's key to finding joy. Laziness, right? If you're, if you're a lazy person, I think I skipped over that one earlier, but laziness, if you're a lazy person, like when you're lazy, you have no goals, it's easy super easy to just get to the point where you can't have joy. <laughs> You're just laying around doing nothing. It's hard to have joy in your life. So make some goals. Write them down. Get to the point where, where you have, you're, you're saying, hey, this is what I want to accomplish. This is what I want to accomplish with my life. This is what I want to accomplish in my family, in my church. Write down those goals. That will help you come combat against the lack of joy in your life. And then loneliness, guys, you've got to find community. You've got to find community. This church is a great place to start, but friends in your na- people in your neighborhood, just your neighbors in general, find people that you can spend time with. Like if, you, if you withdraw to yourself and you, you isolate yourself, when you go through those difficult times, I promise you it's going to be so much harder to get out of them, right? And I think about, about these things. I think about those difficult seasons in my life, seasons when I never thought I would make it out, Right? And uh, I just think how, how amazing God was to me, right? Like he brought people into my life during those times that, that brought me out. I was in a, a really bad season of my life. I think back, um, I, was, I worked at, I spent 10 years working at a, the summer camp, right? Um, 10 summers working there. And summer camp is difficult work. <laughs> like it's, it's a hard thing. Um, and I actually, uh, I went through a situation, some of you know this, some of you don't. But before I was able to um, meet Nicole, marry Nicole, uh, I was engaged to, to someone else and went through a really difficult breakup. Um, again, a situation where a person hurt me, right? Um, I mean, there was, uh, let me adjust this. It's kind of like making a weird noise. There was, there was infidelity, right? And then, and then the marriage was broken up less than two months before the wedding. And really hard. Like, I took it really hard. I did not handle it well. I isolated myself, right? I went into my, my room and um, watched Netflix in the dark and ate a bunch of ice cream, you know, and like, that was, that was the way I dealt with it. But I think of how God brought me. I, when, I, when I look back on that time, I don't focus on all those tears, all that heartache, all that hurt. I focus on the fact that my family was always there for me. They were always there for me. Um, I think about the friends that were part of my life, the church community that I had at that time and how they brought me out of that time. Uh, I think of specifically Ryan and Mary. Um, There's a couple. Ryan worked with me at the camp, and he was always there for me. And then his wife, Mary, she's one of those people that 
Yeah, she's uh, she's kind of a will speak the truth to you when you need to hear it, you know. And I think of one specific moment. I'm just like laying around, and they said, "Hey, we're gonna go out to this event." Um, it was like a Saturday morning deal, and I was just like, "You know, I think I'm good." <laughs> I told them I would go the day before, but then that morning I was like, "No, nah, I think I'm good. You guys go ahead without me." And I'm just like laying around, bumming out, watching Netflix, like playing video games or something in my room. And all of a sudden, Mary barges in my room, <laughs> bangs on my door. She's like, hey, clean yourself up. We're going right now. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and I, and I, I think of those friends that were always there for me in those moments. I think of another time where I was going through a really difficult situation at the camp. And, uh, and I think of um, Sean and Zach. They came and they sat with me and they cried with me and they prayed with me. You know, the fact is God is always going to be there for you. He's always going to get you through those situations. And when we look back on things, we tend to, a lot of times we focus on the negative. But you can look at those moments and be like, God, I'm thankful for the Ryans and the Marys and the Zachs and the Shans and the people who were always there for us. And It's easy to focus on the negative, but try to look at the blessings. There's so many times where, you know, I didn't, I didn't make good money working at the camp. And during the off-season when it wasn't summer, there was times where we didn't even get paychecks, right? And it's like, God, how am I going to make, make this next bill? <laughs> how am I going to get through this next thing? And God always provided, y'all. He always provided. Like, I spent so much time worrying about these things, and I always got through them <laughs> because God is so good um, all the time. Amen. Um, this makes me think of the Israelites. If you know their, the, the story of the Israelites, they... The Exodus, they left Egypt. They were in slavery, captivity, and uh, they were able to leave Egypt. And they went, they were going to the promised land, right? That's what they were told. And what happened? You guys know the story. Forty years. Forty years walking in circles in a desert. Forty years walking in circles in a desert. That has to be so defeating. It's like God tells you, hey, I have this thing for you. And guess what? you got to wait a little bit. <laughs> You're going to walk around in the desert for a little bit. I often tell, tell my, our students here, I'm, I'm the youth pastor here for those of you who don't know, me and my wife, um, we hang out with the students every Sunday night. And I often tell them that when God, when you pray a prayer, God answers it in one of three ways. Yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says not yet. Not yet. And in this case, the Israelites are walking around in circles in the desert for 40 years. And it'd be easy to be like, God, what are you doing? I'm tired of walking. <laughs> like, I'm sick of this. Like, why are we here? But you also have to look back on how God provided for them in the middle of that desert. I mean, he literally, someone struck a, a rock with a staff and water came out of it in the middle of a desert. Like, that's crazy, right? Um, I mean, he brought birds in for them to eat. He brought, like, rained bread from heaven for them to eat, Okay. They walked around for 40 years and the soles of their shoes didn't wear out. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I wish I had a pair of shoes that would last for 40 years. That would be amazing. Save me a lot of money. But, look, God was good to them during those times, even though they were in the middle of a desert. We, we often think of valleys and deserts, the lowest and darkest points of our lives, right? And God's always there for you in those moments. He's always waiting for you. And the truth is, some of the times that I've met with God, and I, I, I know that I know God because I've seen him. I've, I've seen him in those moments, and the moments where, where I've met with God, <laughs> it's when I'm at my lowest times. It's when I'm in my darkest days. He's always there for me. And then you get into the, the times where things are good, and then sometimes you forget him. And the Israelites did this, man. Once they did get into the promised land, they walked through these seasons where things were great, and they kind of forgot God. And then what happened? Back into slavery again, <laughs> right? And they walked through these seasons, these highs and these lows. I think of, you know, we use the term seasons. And we describe our situation. I'm in, a, I'm in a winter season, right? I'm in a dark season, right? And the truth is, I, I'm going to be honest with you, everybody tries to say that you're shooting for that summer season, but nobody really likes summer, <laughs> right? I, I mean, maybe, maybe you do, and that's okay if you do. You're wrong. But, but, uh, but here, now here's the deal. Look, 
what to, to me, what are the two? This is my opinion. You're, I'm not saying you're definitely wrong if you like summer. That's your deal. But to me, the two best seasons are spring and fall, right? And here's the reasons. I'm just going to give you my opinion. Spring, you're coming out of a, of a cold, dark time. You're starting to actually have some light in the morning when you wake up, and you get off work, and maybe you have like an hour or two of light before it's dark again. That's really nice in the spring, you know? And then warms up a little bit. You see these plants blooming. Spring's great, right? And then fall, oh, man, that's my favorite time of year, right? Fall, like the leaves are changing. It starts to get a little cooler. We're getting to that point now. It's still like some 90-degree days coming up. Football, <laughs> amen. Football in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the fall, you have football. And, and then it leaves me my favorite holiday, which is Thanksgiving, right? I've, talk, I've already talked to you about how much I love food, right? And so, you know, when I think of, when I think of uh, Thanksgiving, I, I call it the three Fs, food, family, and football, you know? <laughs> and uh, you can have a fourth one in there with fellowship. But, man, I love, I love the fall. But you know what the tricky thing is? Those are the two shortest seasons, fall and spring. They're the two shortest seasons. The two longest seasons are summer and winter. And summer, it's so hot. You can only deal with so many 90-degree days in a row, right? Uh, that's a season where we look forward to it, but then when it gets there, we complain about how hot it is, right? <laughs> you know? And then winter, you know, it's like, oh, that's a relief. Like, it's not as hot, but then it gets really cold. It's dark when you get off work. A lot of, a lot of people go through seasonal depression during that time. It's easy. It's an easy thing to do. It's a, it's a real thing. And, and look, the, here's the thing about those seasons. We often expect in our lives that we're going to spend a majority of our time in our favorite season, our, the season that we want to be in. And you don't. You don't. Uh, I think of the fact that I actually saw this video of this Jewish rabbi, and he was like, like lived in Israel, right? He was like from that area. And he was talking, you know, talking bad about Westerners, about Americans, like, you know, people sometimes tend to do from, from that area. And he was saying, hey, you know, he was like, you Westerners, you, th- you have this concept that you're going you're gonna to spend a majority of your life in the promised land. And he was like, the truth is, you're going to spend a majority of your life in that desert, walking around for 40 years. And he was like, the key is, you have, and then he actually even threw in, you're going to spend probably, like he was like, you know, we, we tend, like he was talking about his, his people, his Jewish people there in Israel. They believe that they're going to spend about 70% of their lives living in a desert, in a bad situation, difficult seasons, and about 30% of their life in the promised land. And so we just have that expectation. We just know what's coming our way, and we find a way to, to still have joy, even in the middle of that desert. That definitely convicted me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Because, like, I, I spent so much time with that American dream of, like, waiting for this perfect situation to happen. But the truth is, life's hard. We go through difficult times. Um, show of hands, has anyone in here uh, watched America's Got Talent this season? You guys know what America's Got Talent is? So a couple of people. If you have, you probably have heard the name Nightbird. Um, Nightbird was on there in the very beginning. It was like the first or second episode of the season. And uh, so her stage name is Nightbird. Her name is Jane uh, Marziski. And uh, I actually didn't know this, but Leah informed me that Jane was um, a product of the Vineyard Church up in Ohio. She led worship there for many years. Um, And then she actually went to my college, went to Liberty University. Um, And so she's a few years younger than me, so I didn't, I didn't like, wasn't in school with her, but uh, when she was up there, she would play a lot of shows, a lot of concerts, right? And I'd go see her play, because she was super talented, super talented. And um, if, you, if you know who she is, you'll know how talented she is. But uh, the thing that I don't think, think about the most when I think of, of Jane is her talent, how, how amazing of a voice she has. What I thought about was how big her heart was. And so you guys, don't, you guys wouldn't know this, but Jane, uh, when, you're, when you're like a junior or senior at Liberty, you can move off campus. It's like one of the rewards you get for making it through and surviving freshman and sophomore year. But uh, when, you're, when you get to be a junior, you get to move off campus if you want to. And so her and her friends moved into what you would call like the bad part of town in Lynchburg, right? They could have chose to live in a really nice apartment complex in a good part of town, but they moved into the bad part of town. And they would, uh, they would go to the parks in the area, and they would hang out with those kids, and they would get to know them. They would share Jesus with them. They would love them. Um, she was just that type of person, just a great, a great heart. 
and we're going to watch a video in a second. You're going to see how, how big her heart is in this video. Um, it's just so tough when you see someone like that go through a really difficult time, and she's been going through a really difficult last few years of her life. Uh, I would tell her story, but she can definitely tell it better than me, so we're going to take a look at this video. Awesome. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we're happy you are. What's your name? My name's Jane. When I sing, I go by Nightbird. Oh, that's nice. Nightbird? That's right. Uh, did you sing, do you sing for a living? Um, not, not recently. Where are you from? I'm from Zanesville, Ohio. Okay. How old are you? I'm 30. 30 years old. And the dream is to be a singer. What are you going to be singing for us tonight? I'm singing an original song called It's Okay. It's Okay. Yeah. It is. It's okay. okay. It's okay. What is It's Okay about? Uh, it's Okay is the story of the last year of my life. All right. And who are you here with? I'm here by myself. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you do for a living? Um, I have not been working for quite a few years. I've been dealing with cancer. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. All right. Can, can I ask you a question? How are you now? Uh, last time I checked, I had some cancer in my lungs, my spine, and my liver. Wow. So you're not okay? Uh, well, not in every way, no. You got a beautiful smile and a beautiful glow, mm -hmm. and nobody would know. Thank you. It's important that uh, everyone knows I'm so much more than the bad things that yes. happen to me. Yes. All right. Sing for us. Good luck. Nightbird. Change my name thinking that it would change my mind. I thought that all my problems they would stay behind. I was a stick of dynamite, and it just was a matter of time, yeah. Oh, day, oh my, now I can't hide. Said I knew myself, but I guess I lied. Okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay If you're lost, we're all a little lost And it's all right It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay If you're lost, we're all a little lost And it's all right It's all right, it's all right, it's all right I, I wrote a hundred pages, but I burned them all yeah, I burned them all. I blow through yellow lights and don't look back at all. I don't look back at all. Oh, dang, oh my, now I can't hide. Said I knew what I wanted, but I guess I lied. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. If you're lost, we're all a little lost, and it's all right. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. If you're You know, uh, it's funny because singers come on and, and, I, and I think about authenticity. You know, when you feel it, when it moves you, that felt like the most authentic thing I have heard this season. That 
surprising review. It was powerful, it was heartfelt, and I think you're amazing. You gave me chills. I mean, your voice is so beautiful to listen to. It was beautiful all the way around. Your voice is stunning. Mm -hmm. It is. Absolutely stunning. And I, I totally agree with what Howie said, you know, about authenticity. There was something about that song after the way you just almost casually told us what you're going through and, oh, you know. <laughs> you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. been some great singers this year um, and I'm not gonna give you a yes I'm gonna give you something else chance of survival, but 2% is not 0%. 2% is something, and I wish people knew how amazing it is. You blew us all away. You are the voice we all need to hear this year. That was way more than okay. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. God, that really got to me. It pushes all the heartstring oh. buttons, right? And yet she's still so strong. crying it's okay <laughs> it's okay because that's um it's extremely moving you can just see Jesus emanating off of her she didn't say one word about Jesus but you can just see that she has a relationship with him um she said two things that just like when I first watched this video like I can watch it now finally without crying you know a couple tears in my eyes right now but uh the first time I watched it I cried like a little baby it was, uh, it's hard. It was hard. Um, she says two things. One, you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. And then she said, I have a 2% chance of survival. But 2% is not 0%. 2% is something. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Um, real quick, I want to read a blog that she wrote um, not long before she went on America's Got Talent. And uh, one other thing, not only is she going through cancer um, for the, her third time in her life right now, uh, she's also, um, she went through a situation where when she got cancer again, her, um, her husband told her he didn't love her anymore. He walked out on her, you know. And um, it's tough, man. But she wrote this blog, and I just want to read it to you guys. It's... Um, it, it just it speaks volume, so it's kind of long. Bear with me. It says, I don't remember most of autumn because I lost my mind in the late summer. And for a long time after that, I wasn't in my body. I was a light bulb buzzing somewhere far. After the doctor told me I was dying and after the man I married said he didn't love me anymore, I chased a miracle in California. And 16 weeks later, I got it. The cancer was gone. But when my brain caught up with it all, something broke. I later found out that all the tragedy at once had caused a physical head trauma, and my brain was sending false signals of excruciating pain and panic. I spent three months propped against the wall. On nights that I could not sleep, 
I laid in the tub like an insect, staring at my reflection in the shower knob. I vomited until I was hollow. I rolled up under my robe on the tile. The bathroom floor became my place to hide, where I could scream and be ugly, where I could sob and spit and eventually doze off, happy to be asleep, even with my head on the toilet. I've had cancer three times now, and I've barely passed 30. There are times when I wonder what I must have done to deserve such a story. I fear sometimes that when I die and meet with God, that he will say I disappointed him or offended him or failed him. Maybe he'll say I just never learned the lesson or that I wasn't grateful enough. But one thing I know for sure is this. He can never say that he didn't know me. I am God's downstairs neighbor, banging on the ceiling with a broomstick. I show up at his door every day, sometimes with songs, sometimes with curses, sometimes apologies, gifts, questions, demands. Sometimes I use my key under the mat to let myself in. Other times I sulk outside until he opens the door to me himself. I've caught him a cheat and a liar, and I meant it. I've told him that I wanted to die, and I meant it. Tears have become the only prayer that I know. Prayers roll over my nostrils and drip down my forearms. They fall to the ground as I reach for him. These are the prayers I repeat night and day, sunrise, sunset. Call me bitter if you want to, that's fair. Count me among the angry, the cynical, the offended, the hardened, but also count me among the friends of God, for I have seen him in rare form. I have felt his exhale laid in his shadow and squinted to read the message he wrote for me in the grout. I'm sad too. If an explanation would help, he would write me one. I know it. But maybe an explanation would only start an argument between us, and I don't want to argue with God. I want to lay in a hammock with him and trace the veins in his arms. I remind myself that I'm praying to the God who let the Israelites stay lost for decades. They begged to arrive in the promised land, but instead he let them wander, answering prayers they didn't pray. For 40 years, their shoes didn't wear out. Fire lit their path each night. Every morning, he sent them mercy bread from heaven. I look hard for the answers to the prayers that I didn't pray. I look for the mercy bread that he promised to bake fresh for me every morning. The Israelites called it manna, which means what is it? That's the same question I'm asking again and again. There's mercy here somewhere, but what is it? What is it? What is it? I see mercy in the dusty sunlight that outlines the trees in my mother's crooked hands in the blanket my friend left for me and the harmony of the wind chimes. It's not the mercy that I asked for, but it's mercy nonetheless. And I'll learn a new prayer. Thank you. It's a prayer I don't mean yet, but I'll repeat it until I do. Call me cursed, call me lost, call me scorned, but that's not all. Call me chosen, blessed, sought after. Call me the one who God whispers his secrets to. I am the one whose belly is filled with loaves of mercy that were hidden for me. Even on days when I'm not so sick, sometimes I go lay on the bathroom mat in the afternoon light to listen for him. I know it sounds crazy, and I can't really explain it, but God is in there, even now. I have heard it said that some people can't see God because they won't look low enough, and it's true. If you can't see him, look lower. God is on the bathroom floor. And um, when I thought about that, I thought about those Israelites walking through that desert and you know God is God is there on that bathroom floor he's in your desert he's in the darkest the most difficult days of your life he's always there for you I think about those Israelites when they they've walked around for 40 years and they finally arrive at Jericho and you guys you guys know the story right if, if, you, if you were raised in church you know they, they they end up walking around the walls of Jericho, they fall down on the seventh day. They walk around seven times. You guys, you guys, they blow the trumpets. They fall down. Great story, right? I put myself in their position, right? And I'm thinking, okay, God, you just had us walk through the desert for 40 years. And what do you want me to do? Okay, walk some more. <laughs> you want me to walk in circles around their, their wall? Okay, I don't see how that's going to help. But, you know, I'll give it a try. So they do it for a couple days. And I, I imagine there probably started to be some murmuring, murmuring amongst them. They're probably like, hey, guys, like, are we going to walk for another 40 years? <laughs> it's going to be a whole another 40 years of this. Like, what's God doing? What's God doing right now? It's easy to question him in those moments. But imagine 
if they gave up on day five, day six, they never would have gotten to day seven, right? And day seven is when everything changed. Day seven is when those walls came tumbling down and God gave them that city and he gave them their promised land. And if I had to say anything to wrap up, I would say give it some more time. Whatever you're going through, if you're in a dark moment right now, just keep walking. Keep walking through that desert. You're going to make it out. It might be longer than you want it to be. It might be longer than you ever think you would deserve. But God is there in that desert. God is on the bathroom floor. Look lower. He's waiting there for you. So for ministry time today, what I want to do is this. I know that there's a lot of hurting people. I know there's a lot of broken people right now. Um, Dottie's going to come up. She's going to play a song. She's going to wrap us up with a song. But in this moment, if you're one of those people, you're in the middle of a dark and difficult time, just know that we're all here for you. We love you. I want you to take, come up front. Come up front to the seats up front and let someone pray for you. And just know that you can't walk through this alone. You need community. Amen. And just know that in the middle of this dark time, instead of focusing on the negatives, instead of focusing on how difficult your situation is, start looking for what he's going to teach you. Because he's going to teach you so much. Start looking for how he's going to provide for you in these moments. Because he always does. Look for that manna from heaven. It's going to be there. Look lower. He's there. Amen. I'm going to pray for us, then we're going to sing. And feel free to come up front and get prayer. God, thank you so much that you love us so much that you're willing to let us walk through a desert for 40 years. Because maybe those, that's the time when we need to learn some lessons that you have prepared for us. And God, we thank you that although life is difficult, it's so hard, that we can learn to cultivate joy in the middle of those moments. We know that you'll provide. We know that you're always there. You've never failed us, and you're not going to start today. God, we thank you so much for that. God, for the broken hearts in here, the people that are hurting, the people that are walking through these difficult times.